TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Vikings fans, get it off your chest and get it on the air. Your comments, questions, your thoughts. Tweet us at Score North or call 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. Going deep for Diggs. In the air. Diggs has it. It's a Viking touchdown. And indeed, this is Vikings Vent Line. It's Judd Zolgad. It's Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill producing, Declan Goff running all of the streams at which you can find us. I think you can find us right now, Score North on Twitter. Uh, if you can't call into the show, you certainly can reach us uh, via Twitter, Danny at Real D Cunningham. I am at J Zolgad, Z U L G A D. And the uh, Score North account is simply on Twitter, easily enough, at Score North. All right, Danny, let's start with this. Why don't you give us what the uh, Twitter poll of the day is as we get ready for Raiders Vikings on Sunday? So today's Twitter question at Real D Cunningham at J Zolgad at Score North is. Are you confident the Vikings bounce back this weekend against Oakland? And what's your final score prediction? So far, a number of different predictions have been rolling in. Um, as far as the final score goes, a lot of people do think that the Vikings are going to bounce back. Uh, Ryder says Vikings 28-10. to Billy, Vikings 30-14. to Leslie, 21-11. Vikings. Kyle, Raiders 23. Vikings 21. Daniel Carlson nails the game winner because Vikings. You mean this guy? Yeah, he missed it again. He missed it again! And we'll end this crazy game in a tie. Or do you mean this guy? 35-yarder. Carlson measures it out. Snap, hold, kick. He's made it! He's made it! Carlson wins the game! 23-21! How about that? What went into the decision today to let Daniel Carlson go? Did you see the game? Was it was it an easy decision? Yeah, pretty easy. All I, right. I could listen to that Brent Musburger call all show oh, it's long. So it's so great. It's so amazing. It's so great. 35-yarder. Carlson Just majors it out. I love the cadence. Snap. Hold. Kick. He's made it. He's made it. Carlson wins the game. <laughs> 23-21. How about that? And I, I actually think that that uh, prediction on Twitter, shockingly, I, I know it could come true because it's just the Vikings and it's just kicking. And and when it comes to kicking and the Vikings, it doesn't seem to go well. Uh, all right, so my initial inclination about this game on Sunday is that the Vikings are going to come back. They're at home. They should. Oakland, I think Oakland's better than we thought possibly, but they're, sure. cer- they're certainly not great. And so my initial takeaway on this game is that, you know, come back, win by two touchdowns, and, and then go play Chicago in Chicago, which would be a tougher game offensively, and we'll see how you rebound from that Green Bay game at Lambeau Field last Sunday. That's my initial inclination. But that was my inclination probably even more so a year ago, guys, after a 29-29 tie in Green Bay. Yeah. And the Vikings came back here in Week 3 and were absolutely destroyed really all over the field, 27-6 by Buffalo. That at least makes me pause and say, yeah, you know what? I felt this exact same way last year, and I couldn't have been more wrong. But I do think the one takeaway I have coming out of last week that I don't think a lot of people had coming out of the Green Bay game last year is that the defense looks like it's in a much better place right now than it did at this time last year. Where last year, they had, yes, I realized that they only gave up eight more points in the Green Bay game last year, but it was an entirely different type of game. 
the the 21 points that they gave up this Sunday, two the first two drives and then a short field and then they were lights out. I my confidence in the defense of the Vikings is higher right now than it would have been at this time last year. So that's why I don't know how much these two games necessarily compare just because of the defense alone. I would tend to agree. I just pause a little bit. No, and I, that's under, my, I, un, that's I understand the trepidation. I, I assumed against Buffalo, and, and that was a worse Buffalo team. This Oakland team I don't think is great. It's not that good. Yeah, But that Buffalo team at that time was 0-2, rookie starting quarterback. They were seemingly a bad team. They had gotten destroyed by the Ravens, I think, the week before, like 49-6 to or something like that. And this is why I at least think it's worth a conversation of, of what the expectation should be. Six five one six four six eight two five five. By the way, we're in the TCL broadcast studios. If if you'd like to chime in on what you expect to happen on Sunday, but Danny, I am. I would go towards your side on this. I do believe that this defense, that defense, was in the midst of a first four games that were tough. Yeah, this defense had a probably a bad first quarter in Green Bay. But you're right. It looks a lot stronger. Yeah, and I think that that's a big reason for optimism. That's that's a good reason to feel good about this team moving forward, moving into this week. I think that there are a lot of there are some reasons to maybe not be as confident, to maybe think that something along the lines of what happened against Buffalo last year could happen again against Oakland on Sunday. And sure, the offense doesn't give you a ton of reason for optimism right now, but the defense does, and I think that that's why they'll win this game. All right, so what should the elephant in the room, obviously, is the quarterback. His offensive line's not great. That's probably not going to be entirely fixed. Now, schematically, my guess is that they have uh, made some adjustments this week to combat that a bit. Oakland has some definite problems on the offensive line. In fact, let me get this uh, called up here so I can see. Okay, their right tackle, Trent Brown, has not practiced this week because of a knee problem. Their right guard, Gabe Jackson, also has a knee problem. He's been out and has yet to practice going into today. Now, um, uh, Incognito is coming back. Yeah. For, uh, his two-game suspension is done. But the elephant in the room is Kirk Cousins. And here's what I'm really curious to see. A year ago, going into week three, Cousins was coming off a really solid second half in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins was going into his third game as a Viking. There was still a very, uh, people were not going to turn on Kirk. Yeah. They might have been mad at the team, and the team was crappy, and I think the team did get booed at U.S. Bank Stadium, but you never had the overwhelming feeling that, oh my gosh, this Cousins thing is blowing up and fans are mad at Kirk at the time because that was game three. This is far different. Yeah. And the one thing that I want to see on Sunday is if things even slightly go wrong for Kirk, the booze will not be necessarily uh, at the team. They're going to be at Kirk. And oh I, yeah, and I don't think that's a question. And I'm not. I'm not talking about the first pick. I'm not talking about the first fumble. I'm talking about the first pass. And this might not even be Kirk's fault. The first pass that lands at Stefan Diggs' feet, CJ Ham's feet. I think it's the first three and out. I was just going to say the, the first, first three and out. I don't think I, Fair enough. I don't think Vikings fans will be so unforgiving that if. They open up the game on on first down, their first possession, and Kirk Cousins misses a guy. I don't think the booze come out then. But if they open up the game and Kirk Cousins, maybe maybe he misses two passes in three plays. They run the ball once. They have to punt. I think that uh, I think that when Britton Colquitt comes onto the field, there could be some boo birds greeting him, and it's not because of Britton Colquitt. I honestly think that if we get an early pass on first or second down that skips, they're going to start to boo. And then it's going to grow. And, it, and But here's what I'm curious. I'm not curious about the fan base. Sure. I'm curious about 
Kirk's reaction to them. Mm-hmm. I well, think Kirk, I think Kirk is in Kirk's head like never before. <laughs> and so so if I thought Kirk could look in the stands and be like, bleep you people, I don't care. I'm Kirk Cousins. I'm your starting quarterback. Too bad. Then I'd say, okay, it's interesting, but that's it. But I want to see if that happens, you guys, how he reacts to that. Because I I issue no guarantees that he's going to tune it out and be fine then. I think what's more interesting to me is not necessarily how Kirk responds to it, but how his teammates act about it. How his teammates view him getting booed. Because if the ball lands at Stephon Diggs' feet, Stephon Diggs isn't the one getting booed. Adam mm-hmm. Thielen's not getting booed. Kyle Rudolph's not getting booed. Now, Garrett Bradbury might be getting booed, but, you but it's you not going know. to be aimed at those guys. Yep. It's going to be aimed at Kirk Cousins. I'm curious how those guys react to what could be a slow start again from Kirk Cousins. I'm going to do a poll here. If you're a Vikings fan... put Let's put it on, on the Score North account. Okay. Yeah, if you're a Vikings fan and you're going to Sunday's game, I, I think we should do a poll with options. How quickly would you boo Kirk Cousins? First bad incompletion. Okay. Three and out, right? Yep. That could be second. Um, the next one can be it would take a half. So you, you wouldn't boo in the first two quarters. And what's the fourth one? Either not booing or at the end of the game. And, and for the life of me, I can't figure out what he's going to do because I've never seen him. The, the thing with Kirk is from afar in Washington, I think we all had assumptions about Kirk. Sure. But... Now that we've seen him on a weekly basis through 18 regular season games, I can't figure out at this point in time how he's going to come back now and and if he's going to thrive. Mm-hmm. You know cuz that's the thing about athletes. They can Now I don't I don't think that he necessarily will, but you know, if he comes out on Sunday and completes a couple passes, let's say they get a significant uh, completion to Thielen or Diggs early on, that could change the entire tenor of that game if Oakland collapses a, a bit. All of a sudden, you're yeah. all of a sudden it's twenty one rip for you after the first quarter instead of Green Bay. Well, we saw what happened when that's the case. That was what the Falcons game was. They jumped up early. They could run the ball. They could they could take the air out of the clock. Kirk Cousins didn't need to do anything. Right, but but I want to see him have to do something this time. Sure, I don't want ten passes. No, because no, 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 no. because and if I'm the team, I might not care about that. I might say ten passes was great. But in our business, I want to see I want to see him be forced to do something much more so than ten passes. Yeah, my curiosity now has gotten the best of me in this situation based on that, based on the fact that I want to see what happens when he has to throw. And I'm not trying to apply he should throw forty passes, but let's say he has to throw twenty five passes. Yeah, he has to do something to help you win this game, and it has to be far more substantial than what going. Uh, 8 of 10, or whatever his completion percentage was Mm -hmm. against the Falcons. He's going to have to do more. There's no question about that. But I I think that getting him in the rhythm early is going to go a long way. If you can come out, if you, if Gary Kubiak and Kyle Stefanski can come out with a really good... Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski, sorry. Don't sell our guy short here. My bad. I've been getting first names wrong all week. If they can come out with a, a good opening script, I think that would go a long way. The way that we saw Green Bay have a great script last week. Yep. Where they... They marched the ball down the field twice, and then obviously the third touchdown was a uh, a short field. But if they can come out with a good script and get off to a good start and give Kirk some easy easy throws, quick after he gets the snap, uh, again, the under two and a half seconds, so he's not holding on to the ball, let him find a rhythm. I think that would go a long way into him having a successful day on Sunday. 
the only problem there is is if they come out and the first let's say 15 plays go well now i'm curious okay those went well but do you come back and continue that beat because i'll tell you who who was a pretty good script guy and offensively it often went to hell shortly after the script expired uh-huh. brad childress was yeah brad childress teams would come out and that first drive, lots of times, would move down the field and have success, and you'd be like, oh, they're on to something today. You know, and, and this could be Danny Tavares-Jackson at times. Well, I mean, look how good the script looked for Matt LaFleur last week, and then they yes. couldn't figure it out after that. Green Bay could not do anything offensively after their script was over. After they got off script, so, they were, the Vikings' defense took over that game. And so I want to see Kirk uh, not only in script, but post-script. Post-script will and be interesting, but I think that he's got a better... Better chance of success post-script if the script is good. The show is uh, Viking Vent Line. You can reach us at 651-646-8255. And let's go to our buddy Tyler. Hey, Tyler, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, happy Friday. You too, Tyler. What's up? Piggybacking kind of off of what you guys are talking about, the scripted plays, et cetera, what happens in this game if the Vikings get down early? Let's say the Oakland scripted plays go well. They put seven on the board. Is this team capable of coming back? I mean, we obviously know they have deficiencies as far as scoring and coming from behind, but given the mental, um, I guess, the mindset of the team and the lack of confidence in Kirk Cousins, what happens if they get down early? I think that it depends how far down they get. They can come back Thanks, from Tom. being down 7 nothing. I think they can come back from being down 10 nothing. It's when you get down two touchdowns, down three scores. That's when I lose confidence. Yeah, I think we saw it last week. If they, if the Raiders drive down the field and score a touchdown in the opening drive, the game's not over. Mm-hmm. I'm confident the Vikings can still find a way to win. If the Raiders do it on two drives, my confidence wanes a little bit. If they score three possessions in a row and are up 17 nothing, I think that's when the game's over. This team showed last week, though, and this is the problem, is this defense can't have a bad quarter. No. One touchdown against is not a bad quarter. Two touchdowns against is pushing your luck. 17 points or more is a awful quarter. Yeah. And that, that sunk them. Last weekend, that sunk them because they don't have a quarterback, at least on Sunday. And I, I realize the difference is this is a home game. That was a road game. Yeah. But they didn't have a guy who had the wherewithal or mentality to they, – because they should have left – Lambeau Field with an incredible win where you said they had no business winning that game and they won that, that game. And they didn't well, do the, it. The Packers tried to give them that game. The I understand Packers that. wanted them to win that game. I understand that. But that's but to answer Tyler's question, you know, this defense can't have a bad quarter. They just can't. If they have a bad quarter, you might be, as we learned, absolutely sunk. But these are all things my curiosity now as the week has progressed, has gotten the best of me because these are all things I really want to see how Cousins now responds. And does Cousins respond differently here? Because you could argue that that at least in Green Bay, if you fall down, I mean, the fans are cheering against you, but they don't care. Yeah, They're not going to turn on you. They already hate you. If you're here and things go south, guess what? You get booed. And Kirk seemed to me to be a guy more so than I've ever seen him after Sunday's game, who was in Kirk's head. Hey, Rick, what's going on? Thanks for uh, holding on. Yeah, real quick question, yeah. and I hang up listen. Kirk Cousins' first pass, pick six. Is that a question, or are you just, are you just qu- proclaiming that's happen? going what to be? What do you think would happen? He throws an interception the first time, and it's pick six. And oh, he's six getting booed. Seven, nothing Buffalo. I'm, he's getting booed. I'm getting below the press box table, Rick. That's what's going to happen. 
And I, I also, okay. Rick, I also like that you got, and thank you for the call, I like that you got Buffalo and Oakland confused because it does feel yeah. like a very It feels like game. the same game, Rick. Yeah. It feels yeah, it like does. the same game. But, oh, it if does. It does. if the first pass is a pick six, if it's like a, booed. an out route or something that gets jumped, Rick, it's going to be, yeah. He's not, he's not just, it's going to be no, a long not, day. He's going to get a standing boo. It will be the loudest boos I think ever heard at that stadium. I mean, it's a young stadium. It's only four years well, old. Well, let's see. We've seen some good. We've seen some. In four years, quality Vikings meltdowns there. Mm-hmm. The Colts no-show Yep. in 16. Yep. That was a quality no-show. Yep. That was a lot of guys who had basically said, you know what, I don't care. I don't care today about football. Uh, Bears game last year. The Buffalo game last year. The Buffalo game, yeah. Yep, yeah. But, and, and again, yeah. I didn't feel that the boos in the Buffalo game last year were necessarily all directed at Kirk. I think this is all on Kirk now. Yep. Like, I think people are going to this game looking for a reason to boo him. Where the Buffalo game last year was a really bad game and was frustrating to watch, but when you're in your third game... And, and coming off the contract, performance that he just yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. There, there would have been no he compelling played, case. He played great against Green Bay Week 2 in the tie last year. The, mm-hmm. the Week 2 tie was not Kirk Cousins' fault last year. Let me throw this He actually at deserved you. to win that game. Let me throw this at you. Because this could be cause for concern. I referenced the Vikings injury report that came out after uh, Thursday's practice. Anthony Barr, linebacker, groin injury. Limited on Wednesday. Did not participate on Thursday. And here's the problem. Zimmer says that he expects him to play. We all know the track record. When Mike expects you to play, it's now 50-50 if that. Yeah. And how that potentially alters the game if he can't play, or certainly if he tries to play and and is uh, has to be used in a limited capacity. Mm-hmm. How big of a difference does that make then? It, it makes a big difference. It, it, I mean, you hate to see guys on the injury report because that's something that this, this team really can't afford. They don't have a ton of depth, and that's something that really is hit hard when you're, when you're so up against the salary cap the way that the, the, the way that the Vikings are. You can't afford injuries like this. And that's something, if Zim expects you to play and it's 50-50 at that point, I don't feel good that you're going to play. Well, and Mike always says, and I don't blame him, but Mike always says, oh, I think he'll play. He'll be fine. He'll play at some point. And then the inactive list comes out and he doesn't play. So that could just be a problem there. Now, the good news if you're a Vikings fan is that Oakland's got a bunch of guys, starters as well, banged up, hurt, and uh, who potentially might not be able to play at full strength or play at all. So that's good if you're a Vikings fan. But I saw that about Barr, and I, I saw Zimmer's quote, and I immediately thought to myself, this is really how, this is, you know, Mike say, oh, he'll play, he'll be fine, and then he doesn't. Yeah. But the Cousins thing, going back to, to that, that is that is the angle. This is the first time that I really think that we've gone into a Vikings home game and thought to ourselves, if it goes wrong, they're going to boo one guy in a long time. Now, you know, Ponder got that. But that was Ponder. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of guys who we've gone into Vikings home games thinking this guy is coming off a bad game. He's being paid a lot. He is the focal point in the fans' mind, right or wrong, of the team. And if he doesn't play well, it's going to turn on him. And oh, by the way, this guy's susceptible to collapse even more because of that. Yeah. Because you just know he doesn't have the mental capacity to overcome it. Right. Because some guys just so, don't give a damn. No. And it, some guys. It and you're like, okay, that's fine. Could not matter less to them. And some guys, some guys don't care because that's how they're wired. Some guys don't care because they are just dumb. Yep. Like they're just dumb people. But Cousins is not that. Cousins no. is a sensitive guy. Yes, exactly. And so if he throws, and to the caller's point, if he throws, God help us all if he throws a pick six. 
to start the game. Vikings at line 651-646-8255. We're on until noon, until the Twin Show starts at noon. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com, our buddy, is going to join us next to talk about what can be done to make games in this league watchable. Because we saw another one last night that basically, even the greatest quarterback in the game today said, I'll watch something. Tweet us at Score North or call 651-646-8255. This is Vikings Vent Line. After review, it was determined that an offensive player was blocking. Therefore, it's offensive pass interference. We will enforce that 10-yard foul from the three-yard line. It'll be first and goal from the 13. Vikings vent line on uh, the all-new Score North on 1500. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studio. Zolgad, Cunningham, Manny Hill producing, Declan Goff running all of the uh, streams in which you can watch us if you're so inclined. And joining us now, our buddy from ESPN, Kevin Seifert. Uh, Kevin does a great job covering the league as a whole. And uh, he is basically what I would uh, what I would call their, their rules guy as well. This is the guy who knows exactly, well, he's supposed to at least, what's going on with all the rules yeah. being enforced. All right, I, I'm not even going to ask a question. I'm just going to give you a verbal noise <sighs> make it stop i know i know and the amazing thing to me is that who would have thought that if we, when we came into week three the major uh rule debate or controversy or crisis would be the lead story amongst the NFL, in the nfl after three weeks but it wouldn't be pass interference review i think this offensive holding thing actually might have overtaken the, uh, the the review of pass interference, which I don't know if anyone would have predicted when the season began. I, I just don't, and you know, I don't get th- this whole thing. And here here's my starting point problem, and it's not a new thing because I had the same problem last year, Kevin. And tell mm-hmm. me if I'm crazy. What I don't understand is this. All right, for the most part, star players and really good players no longer play in the preseason, right? So mm-hmm. so September, those first four games, are they're not great games. They're guys who are trying to get back into, not shape, but they're trying to get into football playing mentality. Uh, there's probably a lot of dumb things that they won't be doing come November or December. And so there's already a starting point of September games aren't going to be good. And then it's doubled up with, as you just said, in this case, holding a point of emphasis where these officials are told to throw every possible flag that they can, and then they do. And my contention is this doesn't really get fixed, Kevin. My contention is is that that the league says, okay, we think we've d- done this enough, so like starting October 15th, don't do it. <laughs> it. It makes September unwatchable. I know, and historically, you know, for for various reasons, when we do have points of emphasis, they tend to fade over time. They still finish the year, you know, much further ahead of the rate of the previous year, but it's not quite as crazy as it is. Either the players adjust or the officials adjust or the coaches adjust or the NFL steps in and requires that adjustment. And, you know, all those things have happened over the, the past few years. But you're right. I wonder if it'll come to a point where they try to figure out another way to make, uh, to legislate certain techniques out of the game or to make, uh, players follow certain rules when they had sort of gotten lax in enforcement in previous years, other than creating these games that, that as you say, are, are tough to watch. And not only that, but impacting the playoff race. I mean, we're not really talking right now in September about who's going to win divisions and you know who has the inside track on the home you know, field advantage and all that, but 
the games that are being played now are no less important to that discussion than the games that will be played in December. And so, you know, this, even if it is, you know, long in the rearview mirror by the time we get to that December point, uh, it will still have had a significant effect on the, the competitive balance of the league. Kevin, did Tom Brady tweeting about the officiating single-handedly make the penalty flag slow down in the second half? <laughs> uh, you know, the third quarter it slowed down, and everybody and I was ready to make that attribution. And uh, and then in the fourth quarter, just as I was tweeting, well, there was no there was no flags in the third quarter. The fourth quarter, I thought it picked up a little bit more. So I, I don't know. I I, I don't think that um, that word was sent to uh, Sean Hockley that Tom Brady was upset. But I do know, and you know, officials have sometimes are on the record about this, that uh, when you have a first half like they had yesterday where there was just tons of flags, you do tend as referees to regroup and say, you know, we're either going to have a 30-flag game or we have to kind of not pull back on calling uh, the obvious penalties, but maybe try to be a little more judicious in what you throw the flag for and what you just go up to a player and say, hey, you can't do that, I'm going to flag you the next time. And so I've seen more than a few games like that where there's a point, whether it's at halftime or some other timeout, where you can tell the officials seem to have regrouped and at least tried to make the game flow a little bit better while also enforcing the obvious fouls that, that occur. So last year, the point of emphasis was the roughing the passer where we saw it, and it affected the Vikings at week two with Clay Matthews on Kirk Cousins. That was the infamous one, and then it kind of slowed down. But there was never an explanation really from the league that it was going to slow down. Do you foresee that happening, despite the league really not adjusting, I don't, at least I don't think? Do you foresee that happening again this year with the, the points of emphasis? I think they did. At one point they did, the competition committee kind of clarified the roughing the passer rule um, and whether that was because of that clarification or it was a coincidence, they, it did slow down after that. So whether they make it public or not, what I, what I know, what I'm pretty confident in saying is that they, the league, one way or the other, the league will not allow uh, there to be 96 holding calls every, every week, which is what they had in week two. Um, they'll either, the players will either stop using the techniques that are apparently getting them in trouble um, or the coaches will work harder on getting them to stop that, or officials will will pull back a little bit in the interest of game flow, or the competition will, committee will step in and formally require an adjustment. I, that's I don't know how it will happen, but I feel very confident that the rate will slow down over the course of the season, one way or the other, because I, of all the things that the league. Uh, you know, prioritizes. I think, you know, game flow and quality of the product is pretty up there. So if they feel like this point of emphasis, the, the event, the, that, that the goal of the point of emphasis is outweighed by, uh, by game flow and quality of product, I think that they'll make that change one way or the other. So in your mind, long term, Kevin Seifert, what's the fix here? Like, how, how can we get to a point where we don't start? Because now it seems like we start every year like this. And it can't be good because, as you said before, we're talking about all the wrong things. What's the common sense fix here so that in uh, September of 2020, you join us to talk about, let's say, football? Yeah, I know. I I wouldn't even know what to say if that were the case. Crazy Uh, league. Yeah, the problem, one of the problems that's happened is that this thing was actually a fairly focused, this offensive holding was a fairly focused issue. It was one 
particular technique that offensive linemen were using on the backside of running plays. And that, that narrows it down pretty well as it is. It's this thing that officials call a lobster block where you're not really like grabbing with your hands on a jersey, but you're kind of like clamping, I guess is a better way, best way to put it, uh, a, a guy on the backside of the run to keep them from chasing uh, the ball carrier. And so I don't know how often it was happening, but they are, uh, it has morphed into something much, much bigger. So part of the fix be a better process for less, Letting the officials know what you're trying to accomplish with the point of emphasis and not including it and not making the strategy just call so many of them that people will be shocked into uh, pulling back, you know, on on whatever the issue is. And so that's part of the fix is I think of a better and more nuanced communication with the officiating department, exactly what you're trying to accomplish and, and brainstorming ways to accomplish it without creating this, you know, something that morphs way out of control as we've seen now. Like all the, the holding penalties we're seeing, these are not all lobster blocks, as they're called. Some of these, you know, they're, they're, they look like they might be, and they're just being, it's being assumed that they are. Some of them have nothing to do with what the original intent was. And I think that uh, is, is maybe where they could curb right away and say, like, look, we are still trying to, to root out this particular technique, but we're not um, – but we're not gonna. We're not trying to, to to emphasize holding overall, which is what the officials look like. And the other thing they could do is something they did actually last year, which was a little odd, but it it, it contributed to the flow of the game with the helmet rule. If you remember, they basically didn't call it in games. They called like 18 of them all year, and they but they sent like 130 warning letters to players with video saying. This, you actually committed a foul on here. We didn't call it on you, but you need to you need to avoid this this action yep. moving forward. And so maybe that's another way to do it. It it gets to a little bit of the integrity of the game to have a rule on the rule book that you're intentionally not enforcing. But on the other hand, um, we're not trying to cure cancer here. We're not trying to uh, you know protect the American East Coast. It's, it's football, and we don't need to be so strict. Um, with the rules that it disrupts the larger product of enjoy, having an enjoyable experience watching football and playing football. Mm-hmm. It's not fun to be in a game like that either, and, and, that can, and that can also affect quality of effort and play as well. Kevin, how much do you think the fact that guys really don't play in the preseason anymore has affected that maybe they're not ready for the game to be called like this? I, you know... Maybe, but I just think like it's too straight of a line between point of emphasis and the number of penalties to think that this is about guys being rusty or guys have you know they they didn't play in the games but they saw the film they were on the sidelines they saw what was being called in the preseason so I don't think that there's some other things that not playing in the preseason might affect um, you know things like timing quarterbacks timing with receivers you know ball security. Um, conditioning there's definitely some things that you could say about september football that are have its roots in you know players not playing in the preseason but i don't think uh this holding thing has a direct relationship to it just because uh, you know the, the the point of emphasis was was so clear and announced ahead of time your th- thoughts on the opi that was called not from lambeau field kevin seifert 
but from New York on Dalvin Cook. And does that yeah. it does that open up Pandora's box a little bit as to the interpretation of of this rule? Because I thought it yeah. had to be pretty egregious. That <clears throat> that might have been a penalty, but I certainly w- would not have called that an egregious foul. Right. So there's two different standards. It's the standard of how of what you would call on the field, and then there's the standard that's required to reverse a call on the field. So if the officials on the field during the play had called offensive pass interference on Dalvin Cook, I mean, we could debate it. It's a judgment call. You know, was he really trying to block or was he just not, you know, getting off, uh, you know, the, the coverage or was the coverage of a bump-type pressure on the ball-type coverage? Uh, you know, we could debate that, but I don't know that it would have been the, uh, the, the scandal of the century had they called that on the field. But to reverse it, you have to be 100% certain mm-hmm. that this foul occurred and that it was a mistake not to call it. If you're one, if there's one percent of your observation as the replay official, or Al Riveron, or both, that maybe he wasn't trying to block, but instead he was trying to uh, you know, just get off the ball and wasn't doing a great job of it, or the defender did a really good job of keeping him from getting off the ball. If there's only one percent chance that that might have happened, you're not supposed to reverse, and that's what was concerning about it was that it didn't look like the kind of slam dunk. Uh, mistake, a la NFC Championship game, that um, that would merit it. There was the, a few plays in the preseason that the NFL publicized where they added OPI on a touchdown because it was an automatic review. And in those cases, like the ones in particular, there was a Cincinnati Bengals tight end who, like, it was like the ball was maybe at the five yard line, and he hit the guy who was covering him and drove him like four yards into the end zone and almost out of the back of the end zone, and then the receiver came in behind him and scored a touchdown. That was pretty obvious that he was just blocking a guy downfield before he was supposed to and much further past the line of scrimmage. This one was much more subtle. Uh, It's possible he was trying to do that, but 100% certain, I don't think so. And that's what was concerning about it. Kevin, I want to go back to Monday night um, with Odell Beckham being pulled off the field for his illegal visor or eye shield or whatever you want to call. Why did the the officiating staff wait until third and goal at the five to pull him off? Um, you know, I know that spawned a lot of conspiracies, and I don't know that we got an explanation. But sometimes, like they might, it might have just been an issue of competence. Maybe I don't think that they noticed it. Um, you know, there's there's different protocols uh, for how. All kind, all the equipment rules are enforced. Usually, the NFL has a separate person on the sideline making sure you have the right socks, the right shoes. You know, you don't have anything you're not supposed to have written on your shoes and all that. And it's possible that he didn't, that that person didn't catch that in time, and that when he did, um, uh, that's when they they called it. I don't, you know, it certainly was not the timing of it. Was certainly spawned a lot of conspiracy theories and. I can't disprove them because I don't think we got an explanation that tells us exactly why, what the timing of it was. But it, his, the visor he was wearing was not the one that he's supposed to be wearing according to NFL rules, unless he has a, a uh, uh, you know, literally a note from his doctor saying he needs it for medical purposes. And so clearly they, he had violated the rule. Why they didn't, why they let him on the field in the first place with it, you know, it's probably just more likely an issue of competence than conspiracy. So back to the uh, Cook call, I would hope that privately the league said to to its uh, crew that does the reviews in New York, Kevin, don't do that again. That's my hope. Like, if this is the one time, because 
I'm with you. That whole thing, and I don't care if I'm watching the Vikings Packers and it's called against the Packers. I don't care if I'm, you know, tun- yeah. tuning into the Bengals Browns. I don't want that called. That's not, that is, that is not even close to being the spirit of why that rule was put in. Right. And I, um, the competition committee reviews things on a, on a relatively regular basis and make and has discussions with the officiating department. And, you know, I know that's how the, the, the roughing the passer thing got more or less straightened out last year. And, and it's possible that they'll continue to, um, to communicate with Al Riveron. But the worrisome part of it is that it wasn't like some random side judge making a, a you know, right. a decision in the, in the heat of the battle. This is supposed to be, you know, we've got all the video, we have all the, rules in front of us there's a a soft time limit on reviews but nothing that requires them to just be done at a certain point they could look at it until they were 100 percent certain they were ready to make a decision and they still didn't um, make the decision we would have hoped so that's the concerning part but certainly there's plenty of opportunities from different parts of the league to step in and say let's let's not do it that way thank you sir appreciate the time take care okay guys all right Kevin Seifert, ESPN.com. If you're not checking out his work on a regular basis, certainly do so. The, this is really uh, great. The rules have never been as important as they are now. No. And he's yeah. he's probably, I would say, he's the best in the country at covering them on. And actually, if anybody has a chance to have an interpretation of what the hell these people are thinking, because I certainly don't, Kevin does. So it, it's such makes an, the game watchable. It's such an interesting beat to have, too. It like is. It, I'm I'm fascinated by his job. Kevin was really great with us there. Oh, he's fantastic. But here's my frustration. My frustration is his job should be necessary, common sense wise. It should be like an once, easy job, and it's not. But and it should be necessary like once every month, maybe right? Once every couple months. Yep. It's necessary weekly. Yep. These guys, and that that's why ESPN is smart enough to have a guy on this beat. And Kevin's great. But yeah, they're just the. Make games watch. How can you not have, you know, the Jacksonville, Tennessee is going to stink, right? Yes. The players aren't, it's not going to be a good game. The, the National Football League, as a starting point, and I've accepted this, puts out a lot of garbage product. And the one thing that if I'm not at a Vikings game that covers up for that, Danny, is red zone. Yeah. It is the. Um, it's fantastic. It's, but it's the clone on the pig. Yeah, the pig is the individual games. But if you can go, hey, let's go to this game. Now let's go to that game. Let's. You don't see the pig. Mm-hmm. You just see the. You see the best parts. So your product already is not great. Now it's a fun game to watch, but it's not a great product. Yeah. And now you're introducing a month full when these guys are at their worst. A month full of interpretations of rules that you're trying. You know, like Kevin said, the holding thing. They're throwing holding flags left and right right now, and I tell you what they're going to do. In a month, they're going to say, okay, that was an- enough. They're not going to fix the problem. Yeah. The lobster, what's it called? The lobster block, I think, right? Lobster block? Lobster block. Okay, the lobster block ain't going away. The league's just going to say, we've called that, and, and you know who You know who was a primary guy who hates the lobster block? Who? Mike Zimmer. Of course. Because he doesn't like his defensive guys being... But anyway, it's just ridiculous. Uh, TCL Broadcast Studios, it's Viking Vent Line, 651-646-8255. Got to get back to the when will Kirk Cousins, if he gets booed on Sunday, get booed because people are voting early and often. And uh, Thomas will also take your call when we return on Vikings Vent Line. Talk. Discuss. Hold full. Pontificate. Open your big yap. Your tweets. Your calls. This is Vikings Vent Line. All right, Score North Download time. I am Manny Hill, and uh, I am here to tell you on the Score North Download that uh, if you are looking 
For all the best Vikings coverage in the Twin Cities, you can check out Matthew Collar on scorenorth.com. You can follow Matthew on Twitter if you're not doing that already as well, at Matthew Collar. But uh, the latest from Matthew this morning on scorenorth.com, headline reads, What can early usage trends tell us about Stephon Diggs' slow start? The uh, star receiver for the Vikings is off to a bit of a slow start. Had a couple drops on uh, Sunday's game against the Packers. And uh, Collar kind of lays out uh, why... Uh, number 14 is off to a bit of a slow start. Part of it has to do with the quarterback, I would imagine. The quarterback playing everything, too. But be sure to check that out. What can early usage trends tell us about Stephon Diggs' slow start? You can check that out right now on scorenorth.com. That is your Score North download. Now back to Vikings Ventline. Thank you, Manny Hill, Zolgad, Danny Cunningham. Uh, we're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. One more segment here on Vikings Ventline. We'll get to the uh, Kirk Cousins poll that we put out there earlier uh, today. Our guy Declan did, and it's getting votes right and left. It's very, very hot. It's very trendy. But first, let's go to a phone call. Hi, Thomas. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. You got it, Thomas. Thanks for What's calling. Up? We appreciate that. Yeah, I'm calling from Toledo, Ohio. I've been a fan since 73. Mm-hmm. I'm 51, so this all started out, man, at age five when my dad gave me my first Viking hat. I fell in love with the team, and I'm here for life. Now, my vent is this. Um, I know that Kirk Cousins uh, is taking a lot of the blame for what's going on, but I think it has a lot also to do with the expectation. And I think that we have to expect the team to win, not for him to carry us. And I feel that the offensive line has to give him time. I also feel that you can't force feed the ball into uh, Diggs' hands. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since Thielen has emerged as pretty much like I would just say the number one uh, choice or first target, I think it's caused uh, a little problem for Diggs. And, and, you know, he's very, very emotional, and he really believes in his mind there's nobody better than him. And that's not a bad thing because most great receivers have to have that mindset. So you have to spread the football around to both of them. And I think you got to emer- that emergence of B.B., uh, after that game, uh, he played, he caught that pass and took off from Kirk Cousins was falling down. Man, you got to work that dude into the slot. You got to get – man, they need to open up the offense, run a three-wide with the running backs because uh, our running back situation is great. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Cook, you got Cook, and then you uh, – the boy from uh, Boise, uh, Alexander uh, Madison. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, they, they, they are holding down what they're supposed to do. The defense got frustrated when the kicker – Missed them. They're like, man, we here we go again. You know, we missed the kick. We got to fix that special teams. We got to make. We got to be able to make plays on offense. I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. We got to start going forward on fourth down uh, when we're on the other side of the field. Have some confidence in the offense because if you're only gonna believe that we could do so much uh, on third and five, and you get fourth, two, fourth, one, man, go for it. You got two of the best wide You got Kyle Rudolph. You got the best running back. Make the defense respect you. Have plays already lined up. My bin is only this. I've been waiting my whole life for a Super Bowl. I don't know how many Titan fans feel the same way. This year is the greatest opportunity we're going to have. That loss to the Panthers means absolutely nothing. Because if you really look at that, we gave that game away. They didn't beat us. We, we've owned Green Bay the last four or five years. And this year, it's not going to be any, When they come to Minnesota, we're going to fix what happened back there in Green Bay. How do you guys feel about what I said? Thomas, first of all, thank you. Outstanding call. Much appreciated. Second of all, folks, that Thomas just showed you that you don't have to wait to Sunday to vent. No, you don't. That's no, what we're a, here for. He's 51, year old, 51 years old. He's about my age. Toledo, and fr- Ohio, baby. And it, but his frustrations are per. He, yes, he was right. He's 
I don't know if everything he said can be put into use, but he was, I love the vet. You know what? I would like to see them be a little more aggressive on fourth and short, though. I think that's bringing up a solid point. I'd like to see them go for it. Have some guts. That, go win the game. That Thomas's call just established what this show is about. Yes. Which is you don't have to wait to post-game Sunday to vent. You can vent on a Friday. You can vent on a Monday. You can vent any day of the week. Thomas, you are welcome back anytime. That was a great call. Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio, they're, baby. They come from, yeah. you know what, Vikings Monday. fans, they're all, they're all over. Linda in Wyoming. Um, we had Otis in Vegas. We've got him. Who's our guy in Philly that calls? Uh, oh, it Bob, Bob in Philadelphia? Bob, yeah, Bob in Philadelphia. Yeah. And we had Leslie in New Jersey earlier Leslie this week. Leslie in New Jersey said yeah. that uh, Kirk Cousins was a fraud, I, I believe. Echoed what you said, Danny Cunningham. All right, uh, let's go back to the Score North poll that we put out here during the course of today's show. How early does Kirk Cousins get booed on Sunday against the Raiders, Danny Cunningham? What are our uh, poll results so far on that? So far on uh, that poll, again, that's at Score North on Twitter. The poll question, how early does Kirk Cousins get booed against the Raiders? Leading right now is the first three and out at 61%. After that, he doesn't get booed at 18%. The first incompletion at 14%. And heading into halftime is in last place with 7%. I voted first incompletion. I voted three and out. I'm winning. You are winning by quite a bit. Yeah. You are the people, winning by quite a bit. I, I think me. the people I just think the people are chomping at the bit to put some blame on Kirk. And I think after after last week, and you know what? I you think know they've what's been not doing help it. him? This is not going to actually help him. It's accountability, but I think in the eyes of fans, I'm not sure they like this. It's nice to nice to be believed in. Uh you gotta go out and earn it though. In this league, no one's giving you anything. This isn't a charity. Uh, you gotta play well to earn people's confidence. So if he's saying that it's because he's seen practice reps, he's seen game reps, he's seen what we're capable of as a as an offense throwing the football and uh and so you gotta go out and earn it. Believe me, I'm not gonna be playing quarterback here if I play the way I did this past Sunday for much longer. So uh I understand that and um you know I look forward to getting out there and playing at a much higher level. And when that happens it turns into this I am so sick and tired of Kirk Cousins. That was the worst throw since Brett Favre in 2009 <laughs> in the NFC title game. The guy is a joke. Yeah, Everybody always wants to talk about he's a mid-level QB. No, he's a bottom level. He, there's 20, he's in the 20 to 30 category. You can't trust him. It was a winning effort from the rest of the team, despite what seemed to be at a point where even the Fox NFL announcers are saying the Zebras are hosing the Vikings. We still have a chance to win, and we have this loser. He's just a loser. He should be cut, redraft. Spielman can go right out the door with him. I'm tired of him. Hosing the Vikings, Chansey? After review, it was determined that an offensive player was blocking. Therefore, it's offensive pass interference. We'll enforce that 10-yard foul from the three-yard line. It'll be first and goal from the 13. But what could go wrong on Sunday? 35-yarder. Carlson measures it out. Snap. Hole. Kick. He's made it! He's made it! Carlson wins the game! 23-21! How about that? All right, predictions. For Sunday, Danny Cunningham, we'll start with you. What's your prediction for Raiders-Vikings on Sunday? I don't think that this is a particularly close game. I think I'm going to go 24-7 to Minnesota Vikings over the Raiders. Manny? I'm kind of in the same boat as Danny. I I think the Raiders will make it a little bit closer than that. Um, I will go Vikings 24, Raiders 13. All right. I got real haughty last year when Buffalo came to town. 
I think real, everyone did. Real. Yeah. No, I know, but I don't want... But I wasn't what? even here and I did. I left the stadium feeling stupid, and I don't like to feel stupid because I do enough dumb things without purposely <laughs> doing dumb things. <laughs> I, hey, I'm free at like 9 o'clock tonight if you want to do some dumb things. Uh, no, I think I'm going to the Twins <laughs> game. Uh, I am going to go 14 to 10 Vikings, but I think, it's, but I think it's close. Do we all... Mm. Do we... Do we agree that Cousins rebounds strong? That Cousins just is is manages the game, or do we think Cousins has a, another bad game? I think Cousins manages the game. The defense plays really well. Dalvin Cook has a big day. This has a uh, Cousins going sixteen for twenty five for one hundred and ninety five yards and maybe a touchdown. Has kind of that feel. To yeah, me. and I think that it will feel like that because. My belief is that after the Packers exposed a lot of what the offense didn't do, as Danny talked about on the Thursday show, I think they'll have re-schemed things a bit. And I don't think that they have the confidence in Kirk to put the game. I don't think that they feel, okay, let's just put the game in Kirk's hands now and have Kirk come back. So I think Cousins manages the game. I think he is okay. But I don't, you know what? It's going to be very interesting the next time that this offensive staff says to Kirk, go ahead and do it. And I so I don't mean Dalvin Cook Running the football, I don't mean the offense being okay. I mean telling Kirk, Kirk, we need you. When's the next time? Now, if they fall down in this game, it'll be on Sunday. But if they can manage this, so if they can manage him, when do we get to the next point where they say, okay, you're paid $28 million a year. We need you. You have to do it. Because I don't think it, at this point in time, with Kirk's confidence, you can go near that point. Do you guys? No. I, I really no. don't. No. no. I don't. Totally with you. All right, Vikings Vent Line is done. Don't forget Vikings Vent Line right after the game on Sunday. It's a noon kickoff at TCF or TCF at US Bank Stadium, uh, TCL Broadcast Studios. We'll be back on Monday at 10. The uh, twin show is up next. It'll be Brian Murphy, Derek Wetmore, and yours, yours truly to talk about uh, a big win last night over the Royals. Nelson Cruz, another outstanding game. That's a good job, though, today, fellas. That's a way to step up. <laughs>